Live Scent. My name is Luke. And I'm Ashley. And today we are having a freewheeling conversation about incarnation and mission and how the theology of the incarnation shapes what we do in missions. So we hope that you enjoy this kind of theological basis for what we think about missions. Yeah, this will be good. So I'm going to just dive right in and ask you a few questions, Luke. First, let's define incarnation. What does that mean? It's a great, mm -hmm. great thing to define right off the bat. So I think at its most basic level, without me committing any heresies, which is actually surprisingly easy to do on this subject, Mm. um, the incarnation really refers to the fact that God took on human flesh and came and dwelled among us. Um, It's what we celebrate at Christmas. Um, And it has huge implications. The fact that God became human, took on human flesh, and worked among us. So why does this matter? (laughs) Why doesn't it matter? (laughs) Uh, Would be an easier question to answer. Mm. Um, Well, maybe we should go with that one. Yeah. Well, we don't have to. So I think about this. So if you think about kind of the three big branches of Christianity, you have... Eastern Orthodoxy, Roman Catholicism, and Protestantism. So we're Protestants, if you weren't aware of that. And as Protestants, our kind of big day on the church calendar that we get super into is the resurrection. We love Easter Sunday. We love resurrection. We love celebrating it. We're all about it. Um, To us, it is the pinnacle. If we were Roman Catholic, in practice, the big day is Good Friday. It's Jesus on the cross. Um, so that's why Jesus is still on the cross on a Catholic crucifix. It's the Good Friday is the pinnacle of their calendar. If you were Eastern Orthodox, Christmas is it. And it's the fact that God became human. And so there's this statement uh, by one of the early church fathers that that which remains unassumed remains unhealed. So basically mm. what that means I'll break that down. Yeah, that's a good one. If God didn't take on human flesh, then human flesh would not have been healed from sin. And so this entire redemptive work in the Eastern Orthodox mind, and to truthfully do some good theology of the incarnation, we have to think back to Eastern Orthodoxy, which is the oldest branch of Christianity, and study what they say. And that's really that this entire redemptive work of God that we as Protestants love to celebrate in the resurrection kicks off with Christmas and that that is when salvation actually really begins for us. And it's that God takes on human flesh and in that act starts to redeem all of humanity. Um, I'm not trying to be universalist by saying that, but it's that without Christmas, without the incarnation, without God becoming human, humans aren't healed. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to sit in that for a moment. I think it's, powerful. Yeah, I, I mean, it should be. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Jesus. So that's the incarnation. Um, God comes and walks among us. I really love the way that uh, the message translation of John frames this, and it's in John 1, and it's the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, which is a really kind of folksy way of spinning it. Um, but I think it neatly encapsulates what's happening. So God moved into the neighborhood. Yeah, our neighborhood. Yeah. And so what does that mean for us on a day-to-day basis? 
Lots. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, I mean, we're really doing theology today, and so I, I think sometimes we underestimate how much bad theology can mm. shape what we think and how we live. Teach us. Okay. Um, so, for example, if you're a universalist and you believe that everyone's going to get into heaven, then that theology is going to not compel you to think of Jesus as something worth sharing because you don't need to. It's already taken care of. Um, or if your theology on the image of God and other people is really weak, then you're going to have a hard time living out the love of neighbor that Jesus commands us to have in the Gospels. Um, if you don't see the other people around you as people who bear God's image, then you can devalue them in lots of ways. And that's happened throughout history. I mean, so you can think about there was a Nazi church. Mm-hmm. It was a state socialist Nazi church. Uh, they clearly did not have a strong theology of the image of God. Mm-hmm. And that allowed them to do all sorts of horrible, horrible things. So bad theology, that's an extreme example impacts us. Uh, So when we have good theology, the same is true. Good theology can impact the way you live because theology is really just how you think about God. Um, And everyone thinks about God. So it's important to have good, constructive, orthodox thoughts about God. So with the incarnation, if you just think of God as this outside force that is alien to you, that is wholly other uh, and separate and really disentangled from human life, then it's pretty easy to think of church as this thing that is Mm. wholly other, wholly separate from the world, uh, from the people who are not Christians, from people who are outsiders to the faith, and you can easily separate yourselves. Because if the incarnation is not something you think is important, then you can really keep God separate from humanity. And the God of the Bible is not, while he is fully distinct from humanity, God moves into the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. God shows up, God works, God dwells with his people. I mean, you can trace that thread back to the Old Testament. I mean, there's the pillar of smoke and the pillar of fire that guide the Israelites by night. So God is present to his people in the Exodus narrative. You can think about God's presence in the temple that God comes down to be with people. Um, And then that happens fully in the incarnation. God's presence comes fully into human experience. So we can think about um, other religions, for example. And Islam incarnation is a holy other concept. W-H-O-L-L-Y, not H-O-L-Y. So it's a completely foreign concept to Islam because in Islam, Allah is completely other to humanity. He can never really, you can't actually know Allah as a Muslim. You can only know the will of Allah through the Quran. You can't have a relationship with Allah. Um, And you're more of an expert on Islam than I am, but you're doing great. You're nodding along, so I think I'm on track. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not what Christians believe or affirm. We believe that not only is God knowable, but God is so knowable that he took on human flesh and had human experiences. So that means Jesus experienced hunger. He experienced fatigue. He was tired. Mm. He slept. He ate meals. He had friends. He worked. He had the breadth of human experience. Um, So God knows what it's like to be human. 
So how does this theology of incarnation affect churches today or should affect churches today? So if God took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood, what does that look like for church? And I think if we use the incarnation as a pattern for mission, that Jesus was a Jewish man living in a cultured place in a cultured time who used the images of his culture and the images of his place. He wore customary clothes. He ate the customary food. I mean, Jesus was God, but he was also 100% a Jewish man living in the first century, living in that culture. Then as churches, we, if we follow that pattern, mm-hmm. what does it look like to to represent God in your neighborhood, but do it in a way that's incarnational. And by that, we mean another great mission word is contextual. Uh, So if you're new to the study of missions or to the conversation, one of the things we talk about a lot is context and more specifically contextualizing. So how do you basically put on the clothes of the culture? And you could think about it this way. If Jesus were to instead... This is a, just a thought experiment. I'm not saying this is what happened or what should have happened or would be orthodox. But if Jesus had instead been born in India, he would have looked different. He would have worn different clothes. He would have eaten different foods. The Gospels would have used different images than they did. Um, it, would, it would just have been different. So as a church, when you incarnate, when you contextualize in a place— what do you do? What do you look like? How do you navigate? And how do you make sense to the people around you? Mm-hmm. I've talked a lot. What do you think? Oh, man. I'm I'm just loving this, Luke. I'm just thinking, just keep teaching. I like sitting underneath your teaching. Um, I really <laughs> do. It's, it's, it's deep. Um, I think there's a lot of challenges in there. Um, I don't. I think that next the next episode when we talk about practice, we can um, put those um, intersect what we've just talked heard from you. Because ideally, theology always informs practice. That's right. That's right. So I'm trying not to get into practice so much. <laughs> we so easily could. <laughs> um, what's yeah. what's something else that the American church needs to hear about? type of theology, the theology of incarnation. I think I think this is just true for ministry in general, is sometimes we can want to minister to the people who we wish were around us mm. or have church with the people we wish were here and not with the people who actually are around us or the people that actually are with us. Um, and I, I think that maybe isn't specific to the American church. I've seen that in the European church. I think you've probably seen that in other places around the world as well. But minister to the people you have, meaning the people around you and not the people who you wish were around you. So I think for us, and this again leans into practical models, is what does it look like for us to minister in such a way that's actually targeted to the people who we have? And not to the people who we wish we had. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes we design things, we design ministries, we design strategies or practices, or just try to live in such a way that we're living for a fantasy world that we don't have instead of the world we've got. So, so, min- 
So my question there is, what are the questions that people can be asking so that they're living in reality and ministering to those that are actually in front of them? Who are my neighbors? Who lives in my neighborhood? Who shops at the grocery store I shop at? Who sends their kids to the school that I send my kids to? Uh, Who walks around the neighborhood? What are their needs? Not what I think their needs are, but what what really are their needs? What are their hopes? What are their dreams? What are their worries? What are their fears? Who are they? Um, and the only way they're going to find that out is if they're incarnation. Yeah. I really, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of telling people to talk to people. Um, <laughs> I'm doing it myself. So talk to people. Get to know them. Yeah. Um, I think you'll be surprised. So... That was a very brief crash course on the theology of incarnation. And I think if you stay tuned for the next episode, we are going to talk about how we live it out and put feet to it. Yes. So stay tuned and listen to the next episode. <laughs>